Good morning. It's great to have you here at First Baptist. My name is Brad, a senior pastor here at First Baptist. And I'm going to ask you to take out your outline, have that before you. Take out your Bibles and open them up to Genesis chapter 12. We are so excited that uh, we're in this new series called God's Grand Story. And uh, what's really exciting is that, is that there are over 600 of you who have committed to being a part of our community groups and growing in your faith by studying God's grand story. That is amazing. Yeah. We are thrilled for that. that is, that's more than we've ever had in doing that. There's another some 70 or so who said we can't be in a group, but we'll follow along with the devotions and we'll read right along with you. So we are thrilled about that as well. Um, as well as, you know, my tech team told me this week that we have over 225 people who watch us online every week as well. And so I'm thrilled that whether they are shut-ins, and I do, I visit some shut-ins and they tell me, oh, I saw you, I saw you online, I'm following along. Uh, That is why that is there. Um, I do want to say if you're listening online, get to church, all right, okay, come on, come on if you're able to, Uh, but if you're not, if you're gone or something, we'd love for you to follow along and stay up with us, especially if we're going through this um, God's Grand Story. We actually started this journey uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, and I know many of you were here with us as we did the Walk Through the Old Testament live event, and uh, so we actually had Francine Olson go around and kind of do some filming of all of you during that live event, and so we want to show you kind of what that looked like. If you weren't here, you'll see what you missed, Uh, but let's go ahead and uh, take a look. can't believe where my life was at all that i know is my heart was broken i don't ever want to go back ain't no explanation
look good on video. You do. So we were so thrilled to have such a great beginning. Of course, if you weren't here, those are the hand motions that walk you through the Old Testament story as it's laid out in God's Word. And so if you're in one of those community groups, we're going to be reading through the devotions. We'll be going through the same material these next six weeks. Um, In fact, here's kind of the journey that we are on. Today we're talking about the beginnings And then we'll be going through the wanderings next week, the promised land, through the united kingdom, the divided kingdom, as well as captivity and the coming kingdom um, as God has laid it out in his word. And then that takes us right into the New Testament. So this is your first Sunday here. Great time to get involved. Uh, We're going to be covering the book of Genesis today. And we're going to start off with a man by the name of Abraham. So if you have your outline, put that in front of you. And uh, your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 12. Let me kind of set the story. Abraham was called by God some 4,000 years ago to leave his comfortable life and start a brand new nation. I mean, this was not an easy calling. This was a very high calling. And there were a lot of days when Abraham kind of scratched his head and said, God, are you sure about this? I mean, it was as though he was traveling through a dark tunnel and could not see the light of day. Oftentimes, as he was going and taking steps, saying, God, I'm not sure where this is leading, but I'm following, I'm following, and following. And it wasn't just days. It wasn't even years. It was decades that he was walking through this land of uncertainty for 40 years, four long decades. Because in Genesis 12, we see his calling And already in Genesis 15, he's kind of struggling with this uncertainty. He's saying, I'm going to be a father of many nations. I don't even have a son. This is too uncertain. This is too unclear where this is going. And I just wonder if there's anybody here who maybe has walked through some of those days, maybe even walking through them now. Maybe you're a little frustrated. Where, where God is leading you and uncertain about the next steps that you're coming up against. Maybe you kind of feel like he's guiding you, he's directing you, but maybe you ran into a brick wall or you're going through a tunnel and you don't see the end. I've felt that before in my life. When, when I felt called into seminary, I was not sure where that was going to go. In fact, I, I wanted to be a school teacher. My, both my parents were school teachers, um, really enjoyed schools I was going through and decided, you know, that would be a great thing to do. But I felt God calling me to go to seminary. I, I knew that the pastor's hours are long hours. I, I, I knew it can be ups and downs and frustrating kind of work and hard work. Um, but I said, okay, God, if that's where I begin, let me begin there. And uh, I can remember back to the first semester of not having housing at the seminary. And there were some days I slept in the front seat of my car uh, just so I could go to class and be there and, and, and be there from one day to the next. Uh, I remember going through, and I was pretty much an A student in high school and college. I got a big fat F on one of my major papers, uh, tests that I did in seminary. I said, okay, this is a little new to me, God. Help me with this. This is uncharted territory. Where am I going? I I remember one time as well, my car uh, broke down. 
And so I'm on the side of the road uh, praying for service. I, I, I didn't get the service. I was traveling up over the Altamont, going about 35 miles an hour, just kind of putting along, um, just saying, God, is this really what you want me to be doing? I had to get a second job as I was going through seminary. Um, wasn't sure if I'd even have a job when I got out of, of seminary. And I'm thinking, God, I, I'm not sure if this is a calling. Maybe some of you are right there. You felt like God has taken you this far, but you're not sure about the rest. I mean, for Abraham, it was like he was asking God for a drink of water and God stole his lunch. That's really what it kind of felt like for him. Because God asked him to leave his comfortable homeland, to go start a brand new nation. He has no child and he feels nothing really is going right. Let me, let me explain a little bit more about what this is, because sometimes we see these characters in the Bible and we think, oh, they got it all put together. They are wonderful. They're great. Let me explain kind of some of the surroundings. Abraham was coming. His name was Abram to begin with, um, was coming out of the most advanced technological city that was known to man at the time. So it was a city called Ur right here, which was in the land of Sumer. So here's Sumer, and here's the land of Ur. They were doing things like using square roots, and cube roots, and volume, and wheeled carts, and sailing ships, and clay pots, and architecture. Uh, the, um, uh, people have discovered these lands and said they, are, they were way advanced beyond their time. In fact, in a lot of the surrounding lands, there were uncivilized people. People who would catch their prey and eat meat raw. People who did not live in homes uh, but would wander throughout. They didn't know how to farm. They would just pick food off of trees or or berries off of bushes. Um, They left their dead to rot in the the, um, streets or the surrounding countryside. They didn't have streets because they were not very bad. These were more like cavemen type of people that surrounded the land of Sumer and Ur. But the Sumerians, um, they were uh, very elaborate in their ways. They had an elaborate religion. They worshipped a sun god, a moon god, a rain god. Of course, these were not the personal gods, but they were distant, removed gods. But they, they kind of put it into context that there's something else that is coming in part of our land. And out of this city, the one true god, that is Jehovah God, calls Abram to start a brand new nation. In fact, he calls him, he says, go west. Go west, young man. And I have a new land for you to start up a brand new nation where the uncivilized were. And and Abram, best guesses are that he was very wealthy. He was probably a merchant of sorts and he was wealthy. He was comfortable. And God calls him uh, to leave all of that behind and says, Abram, I want you to change the world. I want you to be a world changer. Now, many people point back to, in modern history, July 20th, 1969, to when Neil Armstrong took that first step onto the moon. Many people point to that as being, you know, uh, one of the giant steps of mankind, most world-changing. I don't believe so. In fact, many historians will say it was more of what Abram did here. This one man's trip 
changed the face of Western and Near Eastern civilization. Abraham is considered the father of the Islamic world, the Christian world, and the Jewish world. And he helped things change from worshiping idols and um, uh, not valuing people and having child sacrifices to now stepping in and, and, and valuing people. There's a perception of the future, not just the here and now, and God's involvement in it. That all traces back to this one man's journey. And today we get to talk about the beginning of that. I guess I would wonder if some of you may be on that journey yourself. And maybe you have an apprehension of saying, I'm not sure about this God thing, and I'm not even sure about this church and this First Baptist. I'm not sure where this is all going. Uh, Last week I was blessed that a family man, a father, came to me and said, Pastor Brad, here's what I got out of today's message. He said it in big bold print. He had it on his iPhone. He said, put a stake in the ground. Be the family leader. Lead my family. Lead my family into my spiritual walk. Maybe some of you have taken that step. Maybe some of you have taken the step of getting connected to some sort of a community group. Or maybe you're serving in some type of ministry. We just had 32 people get back from Sultana. Doing wonderful work down there. 1.8 million uh, soups. Servings of soup down there. And quilts were made. And just an incredible blessing of leading a ministry as Charlie Hess does that. An amazing Maybe some of you are stepping out like that. Maybe some of you have started giving for the very first time. Say, I don't know where this is coming from, God, but this is yours. In fact, we had an incredible gift that was given last week. Let me, let me show you what it was. A gal came up and gave to one of our ushers this in a napkin. I thought, what a great way. Like the widow's might of saying, this is, this is not mine, this is yours. I, I, I might not have a lot. I don't know who gave it. It didn't come to me. But they snapped a picture. They said, Pastor Brad, look at, look at what someone gave. Someone stepping out and saying, God, this is yours. Might have been all she had. I don't know. I do know this, though. Whatever God is calling you to do, here's a guarantee. It will not always be easy. It's not easy. And Abraham's journey was certainly not easy. He knew he heard a call from God. He knew he was going to be the father of many nations. But after 40 years, practically nothing had happened. He was to be the father of many nations, and he didn't even have a baby. In fact, no baby, no nation, no nothing on the God's promise to Abraham front. And if you're feeling that way, that God has maybe called you, he's knocked on you, and you've kind of taken some steps, you've answered, but it's not happening yet, let's go over the lessons as we learn from Abraham here today. So again, if you have your outline, let me go over three life lessons that I think we can learn from Abraham's story. Number one, remind yourself of God's promises. Remind yourself of God's promises. In fact, look at what God first says to Abram who later became Abraham, and we'll talk about that. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. You know, we we see these these history makers, these wonderful people in Scripture, and we don't realize what maybe they do. He had to step out of his family. He had to step out of his comfort zone. Verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. 
And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be, what's the word? They shall be blessed. I mean, think about that. Has God made this into a great nation? Absolutely that has come true. You bet it has. How about a, a great name for Abram, later Abraham? Absolutely. He has 12 chapters here in the book of Genesis. He's mentioned four times in the New Testament. In the best-selling book of all time, he's one of the star names cast in the midst of this story. All the people are blessed, is what he told them as well. Yes, the Messiah, through you, blessed through you, the Messiah of the world was traced through him. You see it going through Moses and King David. Uh, you see more in modern history, even Albert Einstein coming from the Jewish people. But Abraham saw none of this. I mean, that's what's amazing. He, he just had words, he just had promises, and God said it was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith, because he believed, because he trusted God as he stepped out, and he had to continue to remind himself of God's promises. I mean, even, even his wife Sarah, she, she's kind of underrated in this whole story. Do you remember what she did when she found out she was going to have a child at 90 years of age? Remember what she did? She laughed, didn't she? Yeah, in fact, the Living Bible says it like this. She says, ha, a woman my age have a baby and with a husband as old as mine? I mean, God, he can't even pack a punch anymore. How in the world is this going to happen? And yet, look at what it says in chapter 18, verse 13 and 14. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, why did, why did Sarah laugh? And say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Some of you need to remember that today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Whatever you are going through, and then whatever timing you are going through it in. In fact, the great preacher Phillips Brooks explained it well. He said, the problem is... I am in a hurry, and God is not. That usually is the big problem in our lives, isn't it? So look at what Abraham and Sarah found out. Classic line, God is never late. It's our timetables. We're the ones who grow impatient. And Abraham is growing impatient for 40 long years. But look how God got Abraham through this. In fact, the next feeling you have there on your outline is that God repeats his promise to Abraham eight times. Eight different times. Things such as saying in chapter 15, verse 1, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Verse 5 of the same chapter, Look towards the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be, Abram. As much as the stars are in the sky and the sand is on the seashore, shall be the offspring that comes from you, the blessings that will come through you. Even verse 7 of chapter 15, uh, Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. He continues to remind him, Here's my promise, here's my promise, here's my promise, here's my promise. And some of you need to hear that today. 
this week, you need to hear that. Some of you are going in for some surgery. Some of you are going through some difficult times at work. Some of you are handling some tough situations at home, maybe even in your direct marriage. And you need to know how faithful God is. In fact, on the back side of your outline, down at the bottom, I just grabbed five promises, five, six promises out of God's word. Let me read some of them to you. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never. It says in Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a what? A future. And I have a future for you. And those same promises, I hope and pray, will get you through the day. There's others on there, and you can read God's word. You can see that. And, and you know what? You know another great part about these promises that he gives to Abram? He changes his name from Abram to Abraham. Now, Pastor Brad, what is significant about that? Let me explain. Abram means exalted father. That's what that name Abram means. Can you think about how humiliating that would be for Abram to be in his 90s, his name meaning exalted father. Every day he goes to work, right? Hi, Bob. Hi, Jim. Hi, Abram. Every day he hears it. He feels it. I am a failure. Even my name is not what I am. And then God steps in and says, okay, you know what? I know it's kind of difficult for you. Let me change your name. And Abram says, oh, good. What are you going to change it to? Like loser, reject? Because that name's not working for me. And God says, no. I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of great multitudes. That's where it's going, Abraham. And Abraham is, again, just scratching his head saying, what? Okay. All right. And he is 99 years old at about this time. And you, again, 2016, let's talk about this. Why does God do it that way? I believe it's because God wants us to know that it is him and only him who brought this about. And he doesn't want any inkling of, well, maybe you did it in your own power. Maybe you did it in your own kind of might, in your own way. No, this is a God thing, and God brings it about in this way. In fact, you know what? Uh, his wife's name was Sarai, changed to Sarah. Do you know what the name Sarah means? This is not in your notes. This is a freebie in case you get on Jeopardy someday. Okay? Sarah, Sarah means princess. Princess. She is 89, 90 years old. She is an old woman. God doesn't step in and call her, you know, like crony or, or old geezer or wrinkle face or something like that. What does he call her? Princess. You are my princess. That's what kind of God we have. When the world says you are washed up, God says, I'm just waking you up. When the world says you are too old or you're, you're too young, God says, no, you are just right. When the world says, sinner, look at what you've done. 
God says, forgiven through my son Jesus, and now called a saint. And some of you need to hear that today. We all need to hear this lesson here today. God is not too late in the midst of all this. God is working in the midst of wherever you are. And if you need to remind yourself of some of those promises, do so on a regular basis because God's still working in you. And I think what else the story goes as we follow the story a little bit longer uh, into it is the second lesson you have on your outline, do God's work God's way. Now, this is the tough part of it because I, I... resemble some of this, I think all of us resemble some of this, that we don't always get it right. We, we end up doing things our way instead of God's way. The Bible doesn't cover this up. The Bible shows these great men and women of God with all their warts, with all their faults. And so I'm not going to cover this up as well. Abraham did not always do it the right way. In fact, he brought a lot of hardships on himself. Even though God continued to worry, weave his story, he still brought hardships upon himself, some that we still suffer from today. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Red? Let me walk you through some. Abraham's three biggest compromises. One, you can fill it in, lots. If you read the story there in Genesis chapter 12, You'll see that Lot, Abraham's nephew, came with him, and he started up the new nation with Abram, even though God specifically said, don't take any other family members with you. And it is like a walking disaster of what Lot does in the midst of all that Abram's trying to do. Let me give you a second one. He lies about Sarai. He lies about his wife. To, to, to Pharaoh, of all people, in Egypt because he's afraid that, um, that Pharaoh will take Sarah into his harem. Uh, and so he says, well, she's my sister, even though she was kind of a half-sister, but, but that's not the case. He, he misled. He should not have done that. The mother of the Jewish nation almost landed in the bed with Pharaoh until they caught wind of this and finally said, okay, be on your way. Um, Abram's plan almost derailed God's plan in the midst of, of what he was doing. And so you have Lot, you have Sarah, but the biggest compromise that Lot, uh, Abram made was through Hagar. Now this is a very interesting part of the story because Abram raced ahead of God's timing. Sarah said, um, you know what, I can't have children. I'm like 76 years old and Abram, you are 86 years old. Um, and so he points to his maidservant, Hagar, and says, uh, you want a family? Go sleep with her. And Abram says, all right, sounds good to me. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I mean, verse 2 of chapter 16 says, and Abram agreed. Now, that was not God's plan. That's not the way God set that up to be. It, it, it almost seems as though Abram's motto was trust God, but have a great backup plan. And you know, God's plan still played out, as I said, but there were consequences. Let me, let me give you one of those consequences right now. Because Hagar's son, Ishmael, have descendants that have been born and throughout all the time, and still even here today in 2016, that fight with the Israelites on this day. Those descendants went this way. And now have clashed with each other. That's why the Middle East is in such chaos. From this, even this disobedience right here. But in the midst of that, there's hope. 
Because each of us have done the same kind of stupid things. We have made compromises. We have sinned. We have got out in front of God's plan instead of walking with God's plan. And in the midst of that, though, we have to understand that God is still patient. And God still works his plan out with us. He's patient with our growing process. Because the most important thing was that Abraham got right back up and said, okay, let me see if I can do this. He's 75 years, years old, 76 years old when he is dealing with Lot and Sarai. He's 86 years old when he's dealing with the fiasco there with Hagar. But I have to say, it's never too late. And that's the good news. It's never too late for us to stand back up and say, okay, God, maybe I've gotten this wrong. Maybe it's taken me decades to get to this place, but now my feet are pointed in the right direction. And, and that would be my encouragement to you today. Which way are your feet pointed? Are, are, are they pointed towards where God wants you to be, or are they pointed away? Because it doesn't matter how close you are. To me, it matters if you're taking steps, if you're walking in the right way. Not to the left, not to the right, not backwards, but you're walking the way that God wants you to walk. Even if you don't understand what your next step is, are you walking the way that God wants you to walk? And I've got good news for some of you who have been walking the other way. Yesterday ended last night. It's done. It's through. Take your feet. Point them in the right direction. Ask for forgiveness for where you've been of people or of God. Point your feet in the right direction and say, today's a new day. Last night ended last night. Today's a new day. That's why you're here. That's why you're hearing this message today. Last word of encouragement the back side of your outline. Abraham's story gives us a great model of obeying God even when it's tough. Obeying God even when it's tough. This is the part of the story that many people know. Let me just explain it a little bit. Sarah had that son. That son's name was Isaac. He later becomes a teenager, and God asks for a sacrifice of Isaac. You know, God's mistake may have been that he asked for it when he was a teenager because Abraham says, okay, yeah, uh, I'm just joking, just joking. This was hard for Abraham. He did not get it. He did not understand it. This is the offspring that you promised to me, and now you're asking me to sacrifice this guy. God, this does not make sense. In fact, look what the New Testament writer, Hebrews chapter 11, says of Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, some of you may say, okay, I don't get this part of the story. This is strange. God would promise him a son, be born at this late age, and then a number of years later, offers, says, sacrifice your son. Here's what, again, I think was going on in the background. Remember I said all the other countries and all the other people around were much more barbaric. They were backwards. They were almost like cavemen in this world. They practiced child sacrifice. And God is now saying there will be no more child sacrifice. 
Abraham, no more, no more, no more. And as Abraham raised the knife to bring it down to kill his son on that altar, an angel of the Lord stepped in and grabbed it and said, no, no more. And with that, the Lord also provided. As it says in Genesis chapter 22, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt sacrifice or burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place of the Lord. What did he call it? The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now God has stepped in to be that provision. And what's interesting about this is that even though God said there shall be no more child sacrifices or he didn't allow that to go through there with Isaac, there was one more child sacrifice in that region. In fact, many theologians believe that as God offered up his son, Jesus, it could have been on that same mountainside, if not that same mountainside, for certain that same mountain range where God's provision was finally made for us. That God allowed his son to be sacrificed for us. The blood shed for you and for me. So that the Lord can provide a way into a relationship with him. You see how this story all ties together? As over the next six weeks, we are leading up to Jesus coming. We see all these foreshadowings. We see it all woven in. We see God's plan working throughout the Old Testament. We see a story of redemption. We see a story of provision. And now we have all started walking along that journey. And my prayer is that as you walk, you will begin to read God's Word. And it won't just be on Sunday mornings that you open up God's Word, but you'll be reading in those devotional books. And you'll see that plan. You'll see how it's worked out. And you'll see these characters. And you'll see these Bible stories. And you'll say, that's not just for two thousand four thousand years ago that's for us and we can learn in that and that god will begin to speak to you because some of you here today are trying to provide things in your own way you've maybe got ahead of god's plan as well maybe you want love and you want it in such a hard way maybe you've been come involved in an illicit relationship or maybe you've moved in with someone that you're dating right now and you've gotten ahead of god's plan for your life Maybe in the sense of marriage, you're, you're kind of forcing God's hand and saying, God, I, I want this, I want this, I want to be married, instead of God saying, wait, 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 do my plan in my way. Maybe you've been in some financial trouble. Maybe you've been in some, some health complications or problems. And you know that you know, with those health uh, problems, God's going to provide. Maybe it's by healing. Maybe it's by getting help through it. Maybe financial problems. Maybe he provides some unexpected gifts or teaching you to live on less. Whatever that may be, he will provide. As he did for Abraham. As he did for everyone who he's working a story through in Scripture. And he will today because you're part of that story. And you know what, there's an incredible verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Let me, let me read just a part of it to you. Here's what it says. As, as Paul is talking about Jesus, he says, For all now, all the promises of God 
find their yes in him, in Jesus. And so today we have that yes for us, found through his son, whom he provided, Jesus. It's why we come now to a time of communion, the Lord's table, because we remember what Jesus did for us. We come to a time of celebrating with Jesus and his disciples. They went up to an upper room before Jesus became that sacrifice for us, and he told his disciples, hey, would you um, continue to do this in remembrance of me? Would you take uh, my body, symbolized by bread that he broke for his disciples, and passed it to each of them, and then told them to eat it? And then the wine that he had, we have juice that symbolizes the blood that he shed for us. And until he comes again, Bible doesn't say how often to do it, he just says until he comes again, would you partake and would you do to remember what I've done for you, to remember how I've provided for you. And so as we come to this time, I pray it's a time that will come cleansed. I pray it's a time that will examine our own hearts, that we'll have not any unforgiveness in our lives. As God has forgiven us, that we will forgive others. But let me remind you, this table that we come to and the elements that will be passed here in just a bit are for those of you, not necessarily members of First Baptist, you do not have to be a member. You do need to be a member, though, of God's family. And that's by saying yes to Him. That's by receiving Him in faith. And so as we now come to a time of celebrating this wonderful act that Jesus gave for us, we can see how His provisions first came about. We can see how the sacrifice was made provision for, and we can understand now a greater, a bigger picture in God's grand story of how he's provided for each of us as well. And so, as we come to this place, I invite you to take the elements. If you, though, know that you're not a part of his family quite yet, we want to allow you an opportunity that you can step into that. And so let's pray. Let's join together and just hearing God's voice speak to our hearts. God, I thank you for an opportunity that we have to remember what you did for us so long ago. To remember even the foreshadowing of what happened thousands of years even before you came. And seeing how how your plan and your story has been written up and how it has blessed us and explains life to us and allows us to understand your heart as a father loving your son. God, to realize that you gave up your son is unfathomable, but it goes to show the incredible love you have for us, your children, to be in relationship with you. And so, folks, I know many of you have already prayed in faith to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We celebrate that today. And these elements, they come. You take that. You hold the cups. You hold them before you. Touch the bread. Get ready to take the juice, the symbolic of the blood, and, and just remember what this symbolizes, his body, his blood shed for you. But if you're already a part of that family, would you just pray for the people on your left and your right, behind you and in front of you, that if they have not taken that step yet, that today would be a step that they would take. <clears throat> and folks, if you don't know, if you're a part of God's family, if you have never made that decision to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, why not now? Of realizing how much you fit into God's story. He gave up his son for you. And scripture says it's by faith that we believe. That we believe that God sent his son Jesus into this world to teach us, to show us, 
to die for us, but to leave an empty tomb because he rose again and is preparing a place for us. And it's by that provision that Jesus went to the cross and gave his blood for us that we can have new life in him. And scripture says it's by faith. Even as Abraham took the step by faith, we take that step by faith here today. And so, folks, if you are here today and you have never prayed to receive Christ, just in your own heart, would you take that step of faith saying, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life today. I ask for forgiveness of my own ways and doing my own plans. And today I repent and I turn to follow you for the rest of my life. You know, if you prayed that prayer today, I, I'd be honored if you come and share that with me. We want to help you take some steps, but you can, symbol, you, you can take now this step of the Lord's Supper. You can join in because you are now a part of that family. God, I thank you that you've included us as a part of your family. And so we do this to remember you. We do this to celebrate your coming again. A look ahead. And Lord, we do this to remember you. For we love you. Now as we examine our hearts before we take the elements, may your spirit be very present. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.